0: Welcome to Glass Talk, Canada's podcast for the architectural glass industry. Now, here's your host, Patrick Flannery. Well, hi, everyone. It's Pat Flannery. Today, I had a great conversation with Professor Falguni Mukhopadhyay from the University of Victoria. Uh, He is a building science professor there who recently uh, won ASTM's uh, Professor of the Year for his work with thermal testing. And uh, we had a really interesting uh, science-y discussion about his uh, work o- out there. Um, he's doing uh, some neat things with uh, thermal testing, with uh, thermal modeling, uh, also looking at embodied carbon. Um, and we got into, uh, I guess, the weeds a little bit about uh, about the standards and the science around some of these things and um, what the uh, implications are for uh, the future of how we look at uh, thermal transmission through facades and building envelopes, and uh, what kind of design things we might need to keep in mind as we uh, build these products uh, going forward with uh, higher energy efficiency standards and, uh, and new embodied carbon standards that are going to be uh, coming up, I think, in a lot of the standards. So uh, please enjoy my conversation with uh, Professor Falguni from the University of Victoria. Okay, folks. I am here with Professor Falguni uh, from the University of Victoria. Hi, Professor. How you yeah. doing today? I'm doing fine. thanks for this invitation. Yeah, it's 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 great to have you on. Um, the the way we came to this was uh, I had a, a, a an announcement come through uh, recently that uh, you had uh, been named uh, ASTM's uh, Person of the Year or something like that uh, for uh, for some work that you were doing on thermal modeling, and uh, I saw that some of that touched on, uh, on building science and, uh, and thought, Hey, here's a great opportunity for mainly me to learn something more about, uh, about thermal modeling, because, uh, I'm uh, pretty much a, a novice in all of this. Uh, probably a lot of our listeners, uh, professor will know more, uh, than, uh, than I do. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of people that uh, also haven't, uh, haven't touched this very much, but may have to soon, uh, with the way that things are going with, uh, energy codes and uh, and some of the uh, the different tiered approaches that are coming through these days. So let's let's start off I guess first of all with uh you uh, just giving us a little introduction of uh, of yourself and your your work there at the university.
1: Uh, just a little bit of myself I did my doctoral studies uh, at the University University of Sheffield in UK and then I moved to National Research Council Canada in 1999 and then I spent nearly 16 years. Then in 2015, I moved to University of Victoria to be a professor in the Department of Civil Engineering, uh, Civil Engineering. So my association with ASTM goes long back. You know, It was in 2000 or 2001. I first attended ASTM task group meetings, and I primarily work in the, uh, the committee, which is called C16, which is thermal insulations. So uh, and uh, I work on basically thermal uh, heat air and mass transfer through building materials and systems. So uh, my research uh, many of my research has led to the development of new standard or modification of the existing standard. Um, the um, initially we started you know like uh, all um, industries they started with the material okay so uh, building industry at the beginning were very much focused to it measuring the uh, say heat transfer through the building materials okay then uh, we realized that uh, material definitely plays a very very major role but is the system performance okay Uh, so when you system performance that also has got different level You know, you can say that, you know, a wall is a system. Okay. But then it becomes the whole big building becomes a system. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there is different scale of the systems. So um, we probably have done very well in measuring the material and the wall systems. But when it comes, when you put all these things together, you know, wall, windows, you know, uh, roofs, everything you put together, the whole building systems. That I think something we are still working on it. Okay, there are two issues. One you can measure very well, you know, if you do it in the lab, you know many things we can do it in the lab. But now there is a necessity to take that lab to the field so that we can measure what is the real performance of the building. Okay, so uh, th- that is one thrust I'm working on. Another thrust is also. Particularly for the insulation, you know, insulation is the, probably the most important component. If when you look at the materials in terms of energy efficiency of the building and blocks, you know, so that is a very important. Com- uh, but insulation materials we are we are going through like all other industries, we are also going going through that greening effort. Okay, to reduce the environmental impact which comes from the insulation itself. Though we know insulation saves a lot of energy, but at the same time during the production okay, we also have got uh, embodied energy with the insulation, okay, so there are lots of efforts are going on now to develop new types of insulation, which not only more environment friendly, that means low embodied energy goes into that, and also it is highly efficient compared to the existing insulation materials, okay, so we are trying to combine both performance and um, environmental. Uh, friendliness you know the, we want to optimize those things so this has opened up a huge research area where people uh the, the researchers are developing new insulation materials in the lab and then it quick evaluation sometimes those materials are not produced in the lab in a bulk quantity like one feet by one feet or two feet by two feet they develop very small piece of material in the lab yeah and um, as you know, insulation. You know, if you look at, say, for glass fiber, uh, it's a good insulation material. But it is not the uh, thermal resistance of the glass fiber itself. When you put the things together, you know, fibers woven you know, and uh, we don't have always the right technique to measure very small component, um, a small product which is developed in the lab so that was something lagging so in the astm uh, you know many a couple of years ago i worked with a graduate student you know and graduate student finished the thesis and um, we showed that you can actually measure those small specimens using the existing apparatus you know in this case it's a heat flow meter so um, that was successful then many people actually followed that one but we didn't have a standard for that okay so um, um then you know with the request from industry and other stakeholders, I took that initiative to develop a new task group in the under ASTMC 16 and we developed a, a new standard. I think it is in the final stage of publication now or approval process. So um, we went through a couple of rounds, you know, and these standards are consensus, consensus-based standard. And um, so uh, anybody can actually, you know, it's not only academics or industry, anybody can put some comments, even equipment manufacturers. okay So we try to address all of them as much as we can. Uh, eventually, I think we we did a uh, pretty good job doing that. So um, these are new techniques of thermal measurements which are coming up. And also coming back to my first uh, point, which I said, the measurement of the whole building. Okay, Uh, you you can see that, you know, the 80% of the building, which is currently, uh, uh, which will be there in, after 25 years, they're already built. Okay, and some of the buildings will be 50, 70 years old, and they are not built according to the current uh, building standard, uh, energy code standard. So, these buildings need to be refurbished. Okay, they should be made more uh, energy efficient but you know it is not easy to always find out what is the cause of um, uh, 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 the energy inefficiency in the building okay so we need to have some rapid technologies which can uh, measure the what is the true energy efficiency of the building what what is the true scope for building innovation in many cases you know, the traditional method is the inspection Okay, you do physical inspection, you go through the drawings, details, and everything. But that is still, you know, in terms of uh, subjective matter. And that's not always the real performance. Okay. And it's a tedious and time consuming process. So, in the last couple of years, you know, uh, working with the industry, we took the advantage of measuring it through uh, infrared thermography. You know, you, you might have heard about it, you know, infrared thermography, they produce nice pictures and it is now being used in many fields, you know, particularly with the advent of drone, where you can mount it on a drone, you can actually get a good temperature profile and which can qualitatively identify you know, the various deficiencies. And that is basically just finding the, what is the temperature differential, you know, the uh, anomaly in the temperature distribution, what you get there. Okay. But you know that does not always that gives you a rough idea what it needs to be done. but as you know, there, those temperature anomalies could be for various reasons. so we still need technical skill to find it out. okay And some of the things anomalies exist because that is how the construction is. So how do we prioritize huh, uh, those uh, that this one I am going to fix or uh, uh, so for that reason, uh, we need quantitative, okay? The mm-hmm. uh, use of thermography now at this moment it's mostly qualitative. You know, you see that oh, well, there's a deficiency there. We have to address it. So uh, we came out, but there was no tool available. You know that uh, we engineers, as you know, that we need numbers. We need one value. Huh? we can so we can compare one to another. So we c- came up with some index which is called infrared index. Okay, so we can really. Take a measurement, uh, uh, infrared thermography measurement from outside of the building, uh, and we can easily find out what is the indoor temperature. Uh, and from there, we can come up with an index, uh, which can help you to compare, starting with one wall to another wall, right? Uh, right? So then, eventually, you can sum up them up and come up comparing one building to another building. And in a true sense, you know, you know, the what is the thermal resistance of a Wall system. In a lab, you get a single value because that is the steady state condition. Okay. Everything is controlled. But when you go to the field, many things changes. Yeah. Say in a very windy day, there will be wind washing okay, of the heat. Yeah. So that day it will have a different thermal resistance. It can get a splash of rain, okay, which can make it moist. That, that will have another error. So R value or thermal resistance value. Off your wall, though in a lab it is constant, but in the field it keeps on changing. Okay, so we can find out all these things using infrared thermography, and we can, and it is still in the nascent stage, in a early stage. But we have shown through the, our research publications, you know, we are developing a website now, so where this tool can be used uh, very easily. Yeah. So we are using it for our own research purpose at this moment. Our industry partner is helping us a lot on this one. Uh, but eventually we have to, uh, we have done the field study, but that is based on a test hut. That means a small house built on the university campus. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we want to do more studies, you know, so that we get repeatability. We have already seen the repeatability on that house, you know, doing measurements in various days. We saw that um, relative performance of all the four walls, you know, because those walls were all different, you know, different characteristics. We got it pretty impressive result. They are 100% consistent results they give. Okay, But we need to do more studies on the uh, larger buildings in different climatic conditions. So that is going on at this moment. And um, another thing also we are working on it is uh, another weak point of the building is, uh, building envelope is the thermal bridge. You know? yeah. Thermal bridge is basically a shortcut huh, for heat loss. And we don't have very reliable method how to measure it, okay? We have got theoretical method, but not um, uh, in the uh, lab and all these things, okay? So, we are working with, again, another industry partners, you know, who are strongly involved. You know, these partners are involved in developing those um, thermal bridge guidelines, okay? Uh, So, uh, those results are all developed through numerical simulations, but we are... Develop some techniques, how to measure it, how to analyze those results. I think because as the buildings are getting more insulated, we are uh, using more uh, energy efficient windows, doors, and uh, the weak point is becoming now thermal bridges. Okay, Uh, So adding more insulation uh, probably doesn't make much sense because our building code gives a good direction on that one. And now I think we have to tackle these two issues which I'm working on. One, what is the true field performance? Another is, how to uh, measure and reduce the heat loss through the thermal bridges okay? okay that's probably the first starting
0: point for our discussion yeah and then, and there's there's a ton there to discuss for sure so so basically what we have in place now in the standards is um, if I'm not mistaken, are, are basically prescriptive type of uh, of of description saying these are the materials you have to use and and these are these are standards perhaps that the individual components have to hit. But what you're if, if I'm correct, what your endpoint is looking towards is someday you're gonna you're gonna point a an IR camera at the at the facade, you're going to identify, uh uh what the uh, i don't know some you have to generate some kind of average or use your index to identify just how how heat leaky it is how how much thermal resistance there is and then this is going to conform to uh, it's going to have to conform to a standard uh that uh, i guess will be written at some point in the future Would that is, is that is that accurately where we're trying to go with that, this?
1: that that's absolutely correct what we are trying to do is that um now all the measurements are based on the laboratory measurements we want to measure in the on the field and we'll be using infrared thermography for that and um, eventually you know before you go to the standard we have to do more research on that one and then eventually we'll develop a standard how to use infrared thermography for quantitative analysis of building Uh, envelopes uh, system and components performance and um, that can be used you know to make the decision on that uh, which building needs to be retrofitted which one needs to be retrofitted at this moment building retrofit simply be based on the what is the physical or drawing board calculations or physical inspection or drawing board calculations and or just looking at the age of the building or How much energy is being used by the buildings? Okay, Mm -hmm. so these are the things, but these are not really absolute uh, uh, performance measurements. Okay, so we have to to really look into the mm, what is the happening on the field.
0: Okay, yeah. For sure, and and you know, I know that um, I know that a lot of uh, my, our listeners here would uh, would would really appreciate having something that was uh, that that was simpler and 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 more accurate to be able to use. And, and another thing they'd appreciate that you had talked about uh, earlier was um, the ability to test smaller samples, uh, even on the components um so so it, it, describe to me a little bit about about how you arrived at the conclusion that that would be okay whereas for a long time in this industry there's been the assumption that if you tested a certain size that's got to be the size and if you want to change sizes to any great degree you're going to have to make you're, you're going to have to retest essentially right um um or 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 it was very difficult to scale things up Can can you describe for me how you arrived at at, at some of the idea that maybe we'd be able to test smaller sizes and arrive at accurate results?
1: Yeah, this, this method is basically for, in the cases where you cannot get bigger specimens, okay? Mm-hmm. So the way we did is that, sometime uh, we first calibrated this method, uh, There is a need to calibrate your measurements, okay? We calibrated the method uh, by using the known products, Okay. So we have got known products, which we tested in small scale. Then uh, of course, small scale and big scale, the results will be different. Okay. But we corrected those things based on what we got from the known products. Okay. And, uh, and unknown products, you know, uh, they may have a different thermal conductivity or something like that, but we always calibrated it to a material which has got similar density. Okay. So that helps us, you know, that you are not going too much out of the range. Okay. We are not saying you to use this method for the, uh, anything to promote your product or uh, try to do quality control in the manufacturing plant. That is all full scale. Okay. But this is when you are developing a product in the laboratory, you want to get a quick idea what, what range you are getting. Okay, so mm, we, we are never saying that using it for quality control or uh, using it for uh, uh, the reporting to the standards uh, or codes. No, that you have to really do full scale. So we are not contradicting the existing um, uh, trend or knowledge base, but there is a gap there, you know, that people who are working in the lab, they approach that, you know, how could you do that using this uh, existing method? So you showed them that, yes, you can practice it in this way, yeah so basically this is a standard practice how to use the existing method to develop very very small specimens okay
0: mm-hmm. and just to scale up um how much uh, how much variation did you see when you when you scaled up uh, uh from 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 the small test was it, uh, it do we see a day in the future where it might become accepted that you know you could you could you could have a range of variants but uh, but but the standard might accept, and I mean this is, again, future standard writing. But I mean, I mean you might be able to accept um, something uh, 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 a smaller test scaled up to something larger. Um, Patrick, I would love to
1: say you yes to everything, but the real <laughs> life is that uh, there are far too many parameters involved in thermal measurements. Okay, yeah. so um, starting from the equipment, then the material, then also the person who is doing the test, mm-hmm. okay? And what, what are the test conditions? So these are the four things I can immediately think about it, okay? And uh, how accurate is the small specimen is that? It depends on um, how small is the specimen or how big is the specimen. Small is a relative word. Smaller is a relative word too. So what we saw in a practical sense, starting from, say, 2-inch by 2-inch specimen uh, to 4-inch by 4-inch Um Again, I will restrain to put a single value to that. Uh, it could be you know, as low as 5-10% five, five, to 20-25% difference. Again, it depends on how you manufacture specimen, how you assemble the specimens and all this in the test assembly. Uh, so, But you know, for the people who are developing the product, they are not looking for uh 2 3% performance improvement okay they are looking for 10 15 20 50% performance dif- dif- uh, difference so if they get a rough idea you know that what is that product is i think then they can go to the next stage of product development okay so um, uh, th- that much i can say at this moment you know but uh, you know this is something you know this standard development is one thing then you know you have to keep keep continuously work on it yeah, uh, because more and more people you will be using it, okay, and they will bring feedback to the task group. And as a task group chair, that is the ASTM task group chair. And you know, ASTM has got a rigorous process to do that. You know, it's consensus, but at the same time, it's very rigorous too. And it's a live document. You know, you meet every six months to review the standard. Anybody can bring the issues that this is. What we observed during the test method and how to incorporate it in the current practice. So um, that process will go on. You know, some of the HTM standard we are working for probably last 30, 40 years, you still get revised every one year, you know, uh, every one year because somebody has pointed out something from their experience. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm
0: yeah and it, and it, it, it you know if the differences could be as high as 15 20% type thing that's that's something that yeah you're right i, I mean if a full scale mock up still remains uh, uh kind of necessary because um you know these these days we're trying to shave uh very small uh numbers off you know for instance u values uh of of, of glass and uh and to uh you're typically operating in the area of of 5 5% Improvements in some case just to get down. You know, if you're if you're at a point one, you want to you know want a 0.08, Well, you know this is what you have to do. So uh, it's it's you couldn't you you have to be uh, I think fairly precise on the testing if uh, if it's going to be accepted for certification purposes, right? Yeah,
1: you are absolutely correct on that. On insulation industry fights for uh, uh, 0.5 R value, okay yeah. uh, per inch. the by for that so um, uh, we cannot really ignore the fact that they are so sensitive about it and um and they have the reason for it i understand it so we are not saying that this this test uh, practice which we are we have uh, we have uh, just worked on it will replace the full scale full scale still remains the uh the that uh, for the uh, for regulation purpose for uh for product promotion purpose you know, or approval purpose that is the uh, benchmark for it, okay? Uh, but we are showing alternative way for the people who are developing the products, you know? And um, then another important issue, probably you would appreciate it, that um, sometime for forensic investigation, uh, mm-hmm. we don't want to take a big lump sum from the uh, field, okay? And uh, if we, in that case, you know, this the small space, in absence of anything, this gives you a ballpark value, okay? So, otherwise, you will not know what the real value is, okay? So, uh, so uh, that could be another way of looking into it. This question also came during the task group meeting that we should also, uh, this uh, practice could also help uh, the for forensic investigators.
0: Mm, yeah, for sure. How, um, when you're trying to deal with those discrepancies that creep in in the field, um, like like you say from one day to the next from one hour to the next things 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 can change on the building uh, would that just be handled by generating a, a number of tests and, and and averaging them over time or something like that yeah what we are trying to do here see, when you go to the field okay
1: the field performance every day will be different okay but is it consistent okay right. so for example while a is better is has got higher r value than wall b okay so we have got four walls a b c d they have got a ranking one two three four based on their r value Mm -hmm. in different days or climates are we getting the same ranking okay that is the acid test in my opinion okay they'll have a different one okay but what we saw yes on five days in different months different time of the day we still got the same ranking. They're not the same R value, but the same ranking, okay? So that's, it's a quantitative, relative quantification, I will say. Relative quantification, they showed the same ranking. Now, uh, are we going to find out from the field measurements what is the R value of that one in a traditional sense? No, we are not targeting that. Right. Our target is decision making, which while I try to improve, okay? We know what you mentioned in the lab, in the ASTM already has got a statement saying that all the test methods, what ASTM standard promotes, they actually are not true reflection of the field performance, but they are indicative.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Mm-hmm. So uh, field performance will be always dynamic. We cannot. That's the basic nature of the beast. We cannot change it. Okay? But we have to make a decision huh, that which beast do you want to address okay so do i retrofit this roof uh this roof or that roof okay which one will be my priority that decision making can happen using this tool and it it can it will identify construction deficiency maintenance deficiency everything it will identify because that's what it is seeing how it is actually happening on the field
0: now is there is there a specific um uh, tool or software that you've developed here or, or are you just using Hot 2000 or Therm or something like that?
1: No. What with the infrared thermography cameras, they have got their own uh, infrared thermography, you just take lots of temperature data points they give. Mm-hmm, okay? Yeah. So, you have to analyze it in your own way. Okay? Oh, okay. And most of the infrared thermography they will convert those data points to and um, this uh, uh, to a temperature data. You know, you can get a file from those softwares. Okay, and they have got other subsidiary, you know, uh, ancillary tools also, who which will allow you to process those things. But we have developed, we took those data, and we have developed our own algorithm to do that. Okay, uh-huh. to come up with that index. Okay, uh, it's very user friendly. And we are trying to say, it, you know, that uh, uh, what we are, tra- what is our vision is that we take that data. Say you take a picture on the phone. You know, it's like a, nowadays in the iPhone you can have a dongle which will ge- allow you to uh, do the thermographic measurement. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, so you can take that picture and it will create a file. Then you can upload that file. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Say you have measured four or five walls. You can upload those five files. And you can click the button for each wall system, it will give you an index. Uh, and they can rank them. That this is the five walls, this is the rank. Okay. And uh, then you know, I'm not saying that everything, you know, we don't need engineers, just take the picture and put that. You need a lot of engineering judgment. Uh, that which picture to upload. Okay. Like you know, you know a, a professional photographer knows where to focus, right? Uh, so, like an engineer will also know. Only thing it will do is. It will empower the energy auditor or building inspector more because now they don't have to do all the drawings, all, all these things. They have to go there, take the picture. They will still be using their knowledge of building science, uh, that which picture to upload, what is the quality of the picture, what is the condition, when to take the pictures, uh, the thermographic pictures. And then it will save their time and cost. And for the end users, it's a quick and inexpensive uh, decision-making process.
0: And and how easy or hard is it for uh, our listeners to get uh, this uh, this uh, algorithm out of you, uh, Professor, uh, in, if they yeah, want? <laughs> I, we are
1: hoping in the next couple of months, it is yeah. going through the testing uh, development. We are in the final stage of development. We are testing it in a, to make it user-friendly. You need uh, a big, uh, little bit of time to spend and test to various people. We are in that stage in a couple of months we we should be able to host it on uh, uvic website as oh. a trial basis okay
0: fantastic fantastic yeah cuz there's a, i mean there's a lot of uh, a lot of people out there who are pretty frustrated with uh, yeah. hot 2000 and therm and uh, if you've got uh, something better coming along well i mean no, i know they do different things but it's it... no
1: i'll tell you hot 2000 and therm they have got their own use they are yeah. m- modeling based Mm -hmm. But this one based on field uh, performance measurements. They are actually, they complement each other. They can validate some of the hot 1,000 or 2,000 and term measurements. I'll never say that, you know, you don't use this one. You know, a professional will know that
0: each tool has got its own merits and use. Okay? Fantastic. So, yeah. So, the idea here, I guess, is... um, is rather than you know it's it's not a matter of it's not a matter of looking at the facade and generating uh, actual numbers of like you say the R values or the U values or, or or any of that sort of thing it's a matter of it's a matter of establishing baselines right and mm-hmm. and then comparing to uh comparing to what you get uh, over time and across a couple of different uh, i guess similar similar buildings and that's 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 yeah, probably yeah. the the approach we need to take and it's more practical anyways uh, frankly yeah uh going yeah. forward and, and of more use in the in the field yeah you're yeah. absolutely correct on that good good I, I was um i was interested in a comment you made earlier about about the embodied carbon work that you're doing um mm-hmm. and, and and it's actually of, of special interest because i actually have a an article going in the magazine in our next issue uh, uh about that and uh and 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 the question we're the question we're asking is you know, what, what are evaluations of a body carbon going to do to the designs that we already have that uh, uh, for energy efficiency? Right. And, and and as you said, you know, it, it, obviously you want things to be better insulated. Perhaps you're perhaps you're using uh, triples. Uh, you're using triple insulating glass. Um, you know, perhaps you're uh, you've, you've changed your uh, you've changed your sashes. You've changed your framing material. Um, or or at least you've, you've tightened them up, you're using more sealant, uh, more gasket, different things like that. In your opinion, Professor, where is the biggest change going to be on, on on fenestration, on facades, b- building facades? Is embodied carbon going to impact something in the way we look at that? Is it going to change our priorities so that we go, yeah, we know that that's more insulating or we know that that's more higher performing on the efficiency side, but, but because of the, the carbon impact of making it, we're going to have to change. Can, can you see? Can you see that coming? And where do you see it coming? Yeah, there are two parts of it. You know, embodied carbon it comes from the
1: material processing and also where from you source the material and how you transport it. Okay, it will give a you know embodied carbon will is the future of our focus. You know, for the whole construction industry because operational we you know or uh, uh, the new technologies or new codes or new uh, construction practices, operational energy has reduced significantly over the decades. Okay. But uh, we ignored, we initially embodied energy, the percentage was low compared to the uh, operational energy. Now, operational energy has come down, so embodied looks high, very high, you know. And I talk with the construction practitioners and some people say, how the building will be operated, you know, there are lots of uncertainty and variability there, you know how it will be maintained, how will people operate the building. But one thing we know for certain that this is the embodied energy. It's a def- If you make savings on that, you make the savings on that. No, there is no doubt about it, okay? So that uh, the, so embodied energy for the, particularly any building material you take, you know, uh, where from it's sourced, that contributes to that and how you process it, okay? So mm, you know, glass and any material, we probably have to uh, focus on more locally produced, Okay, and also um, uh, make improvements, you know, as a a scientist or researchers, you know, we cannot rule out the process of improvement. There is always room for improvement. Okay. So we have to come up with more um, uh, uh, or less embodied energy intensive uh, sourcing and, and manufacturing of the product you know i think these two things i would hope that uh industry and the material scientists you know they all work together to come up with uh some positive development
0: yeah is there anywhere you see where something we've done to become more energy efficient is actually going to come into conflict when we evaluate the embodied carbon of it it's it's certainly going
1: to happen. I you know, will not hazard guess which products it will be okay. but it is <laughs> it, it will definitely happen okay yeah. and um, we make you know one thing you know which will be not too difficult to do yeah. maybe it's very difficult from the economic sense uh, but from scientific and technical purpose it's not that difficult. Uh, to focus on locally sourced building materials. Right. Okay, Which can be, you know, technologies are there. So that doesn't mean we cannot use any material. We have to make uh, locally sourced. And, you know, that whole issue of sustainability has a lot of issue of economic model and human behavior. Hmm. and um, that is something you know we, we engineers do it very badly you know we, we don't have much control over it you know uh, so but i think we'll see those changes coming in the uh, in the coming days you know uh, we have to ask ourselves very honestly that um, can we solve all the problem through technologies no so engineers has to work you know as a you know as a member of the society working with the people policy makers you know um social scientists and um, we have to all work together to, you know, it's a it's a problem for everyone. It's a challenge. Um, I think the one paradigm change is happening, you know, um, if we look at from the starting from the first world war or second world war, you know, industrial revolution, I can say starting that point that we, we thought we'll solve all the problems through science and technology. Okay. And we actually manage the things pretty well, <laughs> but this is a problem which needs everyone to work together. Will science and technology still play a very big role? But we have to work together with uh, policymakers, social scientists, human behavior, psychologists. You know, uh, it, it, it's a problem. Probably, human being in the recorded history didn't face this magnitude of problem. What we are facing nowadays with the climate change. Okay, so I think you know, uh, from the building science point of view, um, we are um, one of the um, largest contributors To the uh, embodied carbon, or in whichever sense you take energy uh, contributor, greenhouse gas uh, emission. And uh, we have a role to play. And uh, I think, you know, as a community, we are geared up for it. When I talk with the young people, they're very motivated. They're working on bio based materials. This morning I was in a meeting. There are a couple of young professors who are very enthusiastic about um, uh, the green building materials and all these things. You know, so my comment was that uh don't think that you can develop the product in the lab and it will eventually go to the market so you have to work with the people collaboration is probably the key yeah. and we don't have to reinvent the wheel yeah. that green building products is not a new initiative we historically we continuously did it we didn't put a name on that so let's look uh talk with the people who have got experience you know uh, who are working in the industry academics you know policy makers uh, we have to reach out more
0: discussion we need yeah yeah i i have seen some and I know it's in and, and out there it's a big thing uh, I, I know there's been some interesting stuff going on with mass timber construction um yeah. and uh, that's that's that that would be an example of that for sure yeah, I'm just i i'm I'm trying to figure out for my uh, again for our listeners if uh if if we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna in 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 thirty years they're gonna be saying, well, just put monolithic, just put single pane monolithic on again, uh, because this making this making all this glass and making all these triple insulating units are it's, it's worse. It's actually works out to be worse. <laughs> but I, I don't will, I, I don't will we'll get to that point. But- I think,
1: I think I will tell you one thing: we are smarter than that. Okay, yeah. we will find a solution. Okay, yeah, I, think- uh, I think we we have a place for everyone. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but of course, the key is the scale and limit huh? that uh, we we have to scale our ambition, not ambition. I see maybe I should say grade. Okay, mm-hmm. that how far we can go. Somewhere
0: you have to put some limit. Yeah, okay? absolutely. Um, thermal breaks. Um, mm-hmm. You're working on that as well. Um, yeah, and, and you know th- th- this is a this is a problem that has has bedeviled. Uh, building science i i think for a very long time um and 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 no one ever seems to come to uh to 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 really a solution that everybody's very happy with what what, what is it about thermal bridging that that is that is so difficult to 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 measure and to and to overcome when you're designing your your building envelope
1: okay let me tell you my, my thought process see one basic physics is there That the material which has got high structural strength, okay, Mm -hmm. they don't have high insulating value. Right. Right. So you need to make the building energy efficient, but you also make it stronger to stand with all the structural load which comes along. Mm -hmm. So there is a two you know opposite direction pulling force going on. Okay. When you try to make energy, it has to be lightweight but lightweight materials are not always, there are always exceptions, but lightweight materials are not commonly available material, not very uh, thermally insulating material. Okay. So there are structural properties which are, uh, which needs material with high thermal conductivity because you have a high density. Okay. Mm -hmm. So mm, that's from philosophical point of view. Practical point of view is that uh, we have to optimize hmm, that how much thermal bridge we can have okay uh, so it it needs to be a discussion between structural engineers and building and blob designers okay and we probably have to move on to come up with some structures you know which has got structural you know, when you develop structural material thermal is not a consideration honestly yeah. you talk with the structural they are looking at the strength they are looking at the durability they are looking at the ductility you know for earthquake resistant design but there is no discussion of the uh, heat transfer Okay, so we need to open that discussion. You know, scientifically we can measure most of the things. I will not say everything. We can measure how much it is losing. You know, from practical point of view. But I think there is a discussion need to be done between uh, structural engineers and uh, thermal uh, engineers. So if in the structural when they develop the materials and all these things, if we have the thermal properties, huh, it is a part of product development process i think we'll have a better solution for that you know thermal there are commercial thermal breaks available you know sometimes the complaint i get from the, the practitioners that it's too expensive okay you know. uh, but what we are doing in the lab we are trying to develop similar kind of product or even better uh, which you can don't have to buy as a assembly you can develop by yourself on the construction site Huh. And uh, so that you can use those things, particularly for the balconies. You know, balconies are in the Western Canada people have got houses have got balconies, and they're a huge, yeah, huge source of heat loss.
0: Right. Yeah, and and I I've, I've seen some um, I'm seeing some pretty cool balcony breaking technology out of Europe, um, where they have um, it, it, it's almost like a joint in the uh, in the joist that comes out and holds up the. Um, and and holds up the the concrete like they pointed out that the you know the concrete balconies on a high rise are basically mm-hmm. massive heat fins. I mean they're, they're 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 terrible, right? They just they're they're radiators uh, essentially for for sucking the heat out, and so mm-hmm. and so that the, they had this system. I can't remember the name of the company now, but they had this system where there was, there was a break, like the, basically the, the actual joist itself, the structural member holding the concrete actually, actually had a break in it with a different material, uh, in there. I, it must've been some kind of plastic, um, it seems seems hard to imagine it would be as structurally good but anyways whatever i guess it was okay mm-hmm. and um and uh, and they had that in there but everybody in the room kind of commented like what's the cost of that i mean that's you know that that that's got it that's got to become very very mm-hmm. expensive doing it are are there are, are there mm-hmm. technologies you're excited about that you think are really going to uh really going to improve thermal uh, thermal performance either, either on brakes or or just generally on facades have i think you, that,
1: that, that, you know it's, it's not a single technology it's the design how you design it okay mm-hmm. so it's the design is the issue there you know and the, of course the cost plays we, you uh, thermal, thermal brakes you cannot remove it as long it will be removed one day when you have got lightweight huh. um and uh, uh, the highly strength materials you know, for structural components, which is um, I don't see it's happening immediately future, but at this moment you have to de- uh, depend on the design, cost effective design. Uh, I think theoretically we know you know, uh, in the lab we know how to make the most efficient thermal brakes. Uh, but, um, practically the cost and other design issues comes into there. I think that is what I'm trying to do. I've got an industry partner I'm working with that so that if the things which you are developing and we are measuring, you know, also in the lab, if, uh, they can take it to the real life application, you know, they are, as you know, you know, our, uh, field, it takes time because it needs a lot of validation yeah. It's not because you publish a paper that will be applied you need to go through various process through that, you know. And, you know, I quite appreciate it the way that our construction industry works. It has lots of codes, rules, and regulations. And at the end of the day, building has to be safe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so safety,
1: so the, the concern about safety, you know, uh, makes the things, you know, a uh, little slow apparently, but you, we appreciate it that how you put safety as a prime
0: concern for our industry. So if money were no object... And you were going to, and you were going to, you were going to make the as as thermally broken a facade as you possibly could. Um, Like, tell me about some of these fantasy projects you're working on in the lab. I feel like I'm on the verge of a major scoop here. Uh, uh, Like, like, what would it be? Like a carbon fiber? Like, what, what, what's the, what, what's the, what's the answer to make a really great thermal break without without having to worry? If you're not worried about the economics. Okay. Let me tell you one thing. One thing I'm working on it,
1: I don't know how feasible it is, but it's still in my very early stage of the work. Mm-hmm. See, climate is changing, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: no, you can say that climate was always variable. okay? So U-value or R-value of your wall and roof is a constant value, right? No, you yeah. you have got the same. But if the drama, drastic change in the climate happens, then you have to uh, have uh, dynamic, R value or U value of the wall. Okay, ah. so yeah, so you know, if you highly insulated building, huh, uh, you can get overheating in certain cl- climatic condition and operational condition. Yeah. So if we can adjust huh, the insulating value, I'm not going to tell you how we are going to do that. You know, people who are working on this area, they will know that you know, uh, they are not still yet cost effective. You know, and they are mostly conceptual and numerical based. You know. Uh, things. So, that is our my fantasy process. If not available, I will try to develop a system where the insulating value ch- will change. Based on the indoor and outdoor temperature, it will have an algorithm. It will find it out what should be the optimum uh, R value or U value uh, and it will adjust accordingly. Okay? Cool. So, that is probably it's active control. You know, it's not the passive control, it's active control. Um, so, that is probably if the money is not the matter, yeah, uh, uh, I will work on that. You know, I'm I'm working theoretically on that, and I have got some idea to take it to the next stage, and that is probably needs uh, half a decade, half a five five to ten years or
0: Yeah, I've thought that many times that the surface was really being scratched with the possibilities mm-hmm. for dynamic glazing, um, and yeah. uh, and it's it's mainly used just for color and shading. You know, yeah. in, in a very sort of straightforward w- way now, <laughs> but there's got to be energy generation potential there uh, yep. to some extent. Uh, not that you know, I, I don't know if you'll ever generate enough energy off of off of that. But but there's there's got to be energy generate. But but even that aside, there's got to be possibilities for resolving this heat gain heat loss uh, dynamic. Like in, here in Canada, it's our right. It's our huge problem. We've never even been mm-hmm. able to make standards that 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 address that problem really as well Mm -hmm. as they should um and uh you know no no you know er you know the energy rating you know everyone complains about that and and how it's becoming less relevant as people use more air Mm -hmm. conditioning um yeah it's it's uh that so so yeah i've often thought that the the dynamic some sort of dynamic approach would uh would, would would really benefit there if uh if if we could figure out how to how to have the building actually react to what the changing conditions are there's yeah. a lot of a lot of work to be done there for sure, and it sounds like you're you're working on it, so that's cool.
1: Yeah, it's still in the drawing board, but uh, that's my plan in the next five years. Probably we will make some progress on that.
0: Neat, neat. Well, i I think a lot of uh, I think a lot of people in the glazing industry have got a lot of opportunity ahead of them with uh, all of these new uh, all of these new technologies we're looking at. Um, so let's go let's go back to um. Let's go back to the ASTM all the way back to the start I guess to the ASTM task group and and tell me um um uh, tell me about this new standard what is the change uh, that's happened from 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 how the thermal testing was being done before um can, can you can you put that in a nutshell for me and and then maybe I don't know what your what your future work is going to be
1: Yeah um Patrick I've got a few minutes I have to jump to another meeting so yes, I'll yep. give a brief answer to that so this new standard, basically what it does is uh, it allows you uh, to develop, uh, mm, I, at this moment I will still say it's a draft standard because it is not published yet, uh, that uh, allows you to measure very small specimens, you know, or say two inch by two inch or one and a half inch by half inch specimens and get a um, idea that what the new product is developing, what kind of uh, U value or R value, this has okay, which was not possible previously using the standard heat flow meter. Okay? You, then you have to go for special uh, heat sensors uh, or heat flow meters developed for that, which is not only time-consuming; it is expensive. So, and also for forensic investigators, sometimes they collect small specimen um, the, from the field, and they don't know how the product is, what is in the lab, and what how it has aged over the years. So this method will allow them to do that. You know, so that is something we work new. But you know, in the ASTM task group, we have got many other initiatives going on at the same time. Probably um, uh, that will be another uh, meeting with you sometime.
0: Yeah, for sure, <laughs> Professor Falguni Mukopadhyay, thank you so much uh, for coming on and uh, and explaining all of this to us. Um, you're, uh, you're a man with a great deal of knowledge, and uh, I hope we can, I hope we can talk again and, uh, and delve into some of these things in the future. Thanks so much for joining me.
1: Thank you, Patrick. It was a pleasure talking with you.
0: Thanks for listening to Glass Talk. You can find this episode at glassCanadamag.com or on the major podcasting services. Glass Talk is a presentation of Glass Canada magazine and Annex Business Media.